Welcome to the Murder We Watched podcast. Tonight's episode, Deadly Lady. Hello and welcome to Murder We Watched, a podcast where, episode by episode, we break down the 1980s crime serial TV show Murder, She Wrote, a show catered explicitly for elderly Fox. My name is Jake Sanders. And I'm Spencer Mirabau. Today we are joined by guest Alexa Weimer. Alexa, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. I'm here and ready. I've got a sensible sweater on, a full glass of white wine. I'm ready to do this. It's a full pint of, of wine, I think. Is how <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the way to make show, like sense of the show. It's the only way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the only way to be clear-headed with anything that they yep. put forward in front of us. Because it makes more sense the drunker you get. Right, right. They hope that by every 10 minutes you've forgotten everything that's happened so far, so they just introduce a whole new plot, twist mm-hmm. or plot element. Yeah. <laughs> very good writing. We've cracked the code. Yeah. <laughs> everything makes sense now. Alexa, do you have do you have history with this show, or have you ever watched it? Are you familiar with it? I've heard of it for sure. Um, I feel like I've maybe seen an episode here or there, but but never, I haven't sat down and binged it. It's That's not something on like my Netflix queue, you know? It shouldn't be on anyone's. But who doesn't love Angie Lansbury, you know? Mrs. Potts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a good one. She's great. <laughs> this episode starts with like a recap of the whole episode that you haven't even watched yet. It's like an yeah. MLA format essay where it, has, it punches in the whole essay in the first paragraph, but then just tells you that same thing, but longer for the next 45 minutes. Kind of felt like a fever dream because I had no idea what was going on. So the episode starts with like, yeah, like you said, a huge, really fast, really intense recap of the episode you're about to watch. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd missed an episode. Right. I, I thought like, I had already a... fucked up this podcast of like, I forgot to send the right episode to you guys. I didn't know if this was like a recap for the last episode. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or I was like, is this a preview again? Or is this just a fever dream? Am I hallucinating right now? Am I actually watching the show or is... Like, am I just, like, disconnected from reality? I don't know. Right. So. Well, I mean, that's also the intention of these writers, apparently, to make you feel like you're living a fucking fever dream. <laughs> well, let me do a quick, uh, really basic two-sentence plot summary, and then we'll just start breaking down the plot. Because this one, compared to the last one, this one is strangely complicated for a 45-minute long episode. There's mm-hmm. There's a lot going on, and there's nothing going on. But even more so in this one, I feel like. They really truncate a lot. Cool. So the basic plot synopsis. Can we put some music behind uh, you when this is happening? Oh, I like that. Yeah. What so, kind of what kind of genre? Some forlorn uh, sea shanty. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when cosmetics tycoon Stephen Earle is reported missing, presumed dead from a yacht cruise gone awry in the middle of a hurricane with his four adult daughters, Jessica Fletcher is brought in to assist in the investigation. But Stephen Earle may not be dead, <gasps> or he is. What? <laughs> And thus begins uh, season one, episode three, titled Deadly Lady, Mm -hmm. which is a horrible title. It's such a basic, it's like spooky ghost, (laughs) bony skeleton, deadly. It's just like, I don't know. I'm already off put. Yeah. And you're also starting off with that like epic crash against the lighthouse. And for me, walking into it too. So it was like the lighthouse and then immediately Angela Lansbury or Jessica Fletcher, I should say, writing. And so I'm like, does she live here? Like, how did she get into this lighthouse? I had, like, there was no context of where we were. Or, like, and that's not her home, right? I don't know. She lives in, like, a 
a, you know, a well-to-do small cottage type house because okay. later as we find there's the, a character who's like trying to work on her house because he's homeless, but doesn't want handouts. So he just starts oh randomly God. working on her house before she gets home. Yeah. And also that lighthouse shot, the audio is so jarring. Like right out of the gate, you'd think like you you'd think you'd want the first moment of your show to be memorable, exciting, well produced. And I thought I thought I was gonna blow an eardrum right out of the gate. <laughs> but you were actually gonna get swept away in that hurricane. Yeah, I checked really for blood. Realistic. I was like, where you know, trying to see if I could still hear. <laughs> I do want to give this intro some, or not like the intro intro where it does the recap. I do kind of like cuts to her furiously writing this like a a book. In the middle of this, like, lighthouse. It's not a good intro, relatively speaking. I just enjoyed it, like, oh, we're cutting, like, in media res. She's already in the middle of it. She's, like, praying to the lightning gods. <laughs> oh, please, three more paragraphs and I can go to bed. I'm giving this show some credit that it probably doesn't deserve. Well, then she's visited by someone, Ethan. Question mark? Uh, I never really could understand his name. His name is Ralph. Ethan. Ethan. Oh, this random man. Captain Ethan Craig. Is it Ethan? Cool, I did get that. So he shows up and he's like, yeah, this is a crazy storm. And there was a great line too where... like he, he was like, you think I'm a nitwit? And she was like, don't ask questions that beg to be answered. And I was like, okay, I can see this sass coming out. All right. She's a sassy little bitch. Yes, she fucking knows sassy. her. <laughs> you shouldn't be out on a night like this. I know that woman. You think I'm a nitwit? Don't ask questions that beg obvious answers. But Ethan's there. He, he just shows up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And then it's kind of casually like, so I think there's some people out on the water in this hurricane. And she's like, oh, that seems dangerous. And he's like, hmm, yeah, I'm going to leave. And like, <laughs> well, see you later. <laughs> Coast Guard picking up distress signals from some damn fools out there in the yacht. In this storm, you think they'll be all right? Well, if they are, they are. I can't get to them till it clears. Wouldn't you think people would have more sense? Mm-hmm. Good night. Just doesn't. Give a shit. That was my only note I wrote down for this whole intro (laughs) section. This guy just stopped to tell her that some kids are probably going to die in a fucking hurricane. (laughs) And he's like, well, see you later. Gotta go home. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? If someone showed up to my door. There's this recurring theme of people just randomly going into people's houses unannounced and that just being fine. I don't know if that's a main (laughs) thing. Maybe our, our main followers, our one main follower that. Uh, to tell us, please, is that how people normally interact in the state of Maine? Because very bizarre. (laughs) So the hurricane, I assume, passes through. It's like the next day. Uh As hurricanes do. As hurricanes do. They're real quick. Real fast. Everybody's just back to normal. Markets are open. She's out for her casual jog. The towel. The towel again. So much jogging. (laughs) I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I don't understand. Why is there a towel wrapped, <laughs> enveloped around just the back part of the neck whenever you're running in a track suit? What is the appeal? What's the practicality? What's going on here? I'm missing something. I can't answer. I don't know. There is no answer. I want to say it's the <laughs> 80s, but that that's not true. I'm so in infer- I don't know why I'm so overcome with emotion about it. I'm so upset about it. <laughs> But it's during the 80s when it's happening. Like, I can see a spoof of the 80s of having somebody wearing a tracksuit with the the towel. 
But this and is then just have really sweaty necks. Just that was it. Everybody <laughs> in the eighties was just sweating out their necks way too much. Yeah. So they're like, we have to make this like a trend. Much like how a dog, you know, sweats through its tongue. Mm-hmm. Humans back in the 1984 specifically only sweat through their necks. Maybe that's why the mullet kind of became revolutionary. Because people were <laughs> oh. like, instead of the towel, what if we just had our hair covering up our sweaty necks? Whoa. Oh, shit. It's nature's <laughs> way of saying, I've got you. He's sweaty, but make it fashion. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher jogs home, and there's this... Flannel dressed old man in her front lawn just chopping away at those bushes, which I can't believe isn't a fucking metaphor for what they're like. These two hot lovers are good. I'm, I'm going with this. I'm losing my mind. The shot on him, he looks fucking petrified. Like he has seen some shit. And I mean, like the actor, he just generally looks like he's been through the ringer, probably in a war. Excuse me, uh, this is private property. You're the lady of the house? Yeah, I live here. Shame to let these weeds get a toehold like this. Too good a garden to go to ruin. Well, my marigolds are hardly going to seed. Mr. Uh... Name's uh, Ralph, ma'am. She walks up. There's this random man butchering her rose bushes. <laughs> I'm sure this woman has put a lot of time and care and effort into this garden. Just walks up and she's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Um, just tri- like, just doesn't give a shit again. And then he starts talking <laughs> shit about her house because she's like, yeah. oh, I don't think I need yeah. to fix anything. And he's like, actually, your shitters are, your shitters, your shutters are your shit. Your fucking shitters, <laughs> Everything. And she's just kind of like, that's so whimsical of you to say. <laughs> Not only that, she makes him a full breakfast. She's like, come on in. Let me make you a whole. Let me give in. every ingredient to my house and make you a buffet for talking shit about my house. Well, come on in the house now. Fix you some eggs. Eggs will be fine as soon as I finish with this. He's the kindest hobo I've ever seen. And he's and he's against the word hobo. He's against the word homeless. He's like, I, I make my living by what people feed me or however he phrases it. He's like, I'll do work for you. Right. Don't pay me. I just want food and a bed in your house. I'm uh, mighty hungry, but I don't believe in taking handouts. Now, if you could spare me a good breakfast, I'd be willing to work for it. Admirable. But I'm not sure what there is to do around here. Window casements need paint. A whole house, for that matter. This scene truly made me understand why serial killers really were prevalent in the 70s and the 80s. Because I was like, hmm, yeah, you find somebody just chopping away your rose bushes. Why don't you come on in and have a nice hearty breakfast? Come on, I got some bacon. Excuse me, no. Hi, what's your name again? Oh, Mr. Bundy? Here, come on in, Mr. Bundy. I got a nice plate of uh, waffles I can make you. You want to see my backyard? Like, it's pretty spacious. (laughs) It's uh, Maybe it's like a 20th century or 21st century thing that we're like, I stranger danger. If someone's in my lawn fucking around, I'm calling the police or I'm going to beat the shit out of him or I'm going to tell him to get away. So to have kindly old Jessica Fletcher be like, please get the fuck inside, dude. We're family. We're besties. We're born together or whatever. Like she's so excited. (laughs) It's funny because already there's a trope now from the first episodes to this one of (laughs) Jessica Fletcher befriends elderly man and might also have a crush on him. The plot point that will also come up later in the story at some point, but you don't know it yet. (laughs) But the reality is we know, we know he's going to be important way later. The cards get played a little early in this one unlike the first one where there's a lot of cards being played so it was hard to know which one was the one i really hope it's not a continuing theme as the show goes (laughs) on of jessica fletcher constantly falling in love with 
just old men around her that happen to be involved with the murder or are the murderer. Can I tell you a prediction? It's going to be. It's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be every fucking episode. They'll be like, oh, God. Once again, we haven't even gotten to the fucking murder, and we're already talking about how this is like a show built for naps. Yeah. Like, you need this to fall asleep yeah. to. The sheriff of the town, who's not the guy that visited her at the lighthouse, that's a different guy. Oh. The sheriff... It, yeah, the show's fucked. So who is Ethan? He's another old man. Just old <laughs> Just, man. Occupation, old man. <laughs> there's so many old men. Well, the guy that visited her at the lighthouse, he's like a retired police officer. He's like a private investigator, oh. I think. He's still called captain mm. or whatever. They still call him out of retirement for these. They, they still they call crafts. me back in. The real sheriff of the town, sheriff, and I'm looking this up, Amos. Is that his name? I would have not been able to tell you that at all. <laughs> Gun to my head, I have no fucking <laughs> no clue. Yeah, no clue. <laughs> None. <laughs> he visits Fletcher and he says like, hey, the boat came in, the one that was out at sea, there's four girls on it, but there might be murder afoot. He says something peculiar down here happened. Murder, murder peculiar. You think? Murder peculiar. <laughs> Miss Fletcher, something mighty peculiar has happened down here. Well, what do you mean by peculiar, Sheriff? I mean maybe... Murder peculiar. Murder? God, what well, it was like you guys knew that people went out on a boat during a hurricane. And then you're kind of questioning something weird may have happened on a boat during a storm. It's like you knew. Once again, we're in a situation much like the pilot episode. And just to fill you in, it's it's Jessica Fletcher being pulled into something that she really should not be involved with at fucking all. Right. And yet she is the most trusted, the most trusted confidant and advisor of every murder that ever happens in the Northeast area of the United States of America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Specifically, this apparently murder capital of the world, this fucking cove they live in. So the sheriff asked for her help to investigate because she's, you know, the Stephen King of their town and apparently any fictional writer can be the head detective and investigator on a murder ugh she goes down they go down to the pier and there's this the boat's there they're still unloading the women off of it's even though it's probably been there for an hour you know or whatever like the boat's coming in don't get off yet take your time it's four very eccentric personalities of uh of daughters or the, these women on board there's like the super rich L.A. type. There's a timid girl with a, a pink sweater. Yeah, she's like the artsy one. She sewed it herself. She's kind of quiet. And also decides to go by the oldest nickname possible for the name Nancy. She goes with Nan. I was like, come on. It's not fucking 1955 anymore, Nancy Drew. Come on. <laughs> I love the names. The uh, the rich late or the richer daughter. Her name was uh, Lisa Earl Shelby. But the way they say it is it's so it's like pre and now presenting Lisa Earl Shelby. And uh, this is uh, Lisa Earl Shelby. Uh, Shelby. Lisa Earl Shelby. My husband has been notified he is on his way. Like, <laughs> the name's Lisa Earl. Uh, Lisa Earl Shelby. And you're like, what the fuck is, who are these people? I don't give a fuck. There was some debutante vibes about that, for yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And that carries through the episode <laughs> in thick <laughs> format. I love the daughter, the very last one, where she, everyone talks about how my husband's been notified or such and so has been notified. And she says, my husband hasn't been notified because he left four years ago and no one's ever heard from him since. And I'm Grace Earl Lamont. My husband hasn't been notified 
As a matter of fact, he left four years ago, and no one's heard from him since. <laughs> I literally wrote down, whoa, whoa, what? I was like, and here's the thing. The greatest thing about that month, nothing comes back up from that. Nothing else not comes up about that whatsoever. Like, there's other estranged husbands or, or uh, there's a, a fiance a types that return but this husband that left four years ago and never heard from since we don't hear from him either <laughs> <laughs> this is where the episode starts doing exposition dumps for every piece of dialogue that anyone says after like as soon as these characters are introduced every single person every time they talk is a fucking monologue about how <laughs> they were like a novel I was scorned by my ex-father who they like they just go off on these huge diatribes where you're like, I don't know you. I don't know a thing about you. And you're confessing so much to this woman that's old. I think it <laughs> like, there's something it must be something to do with the last episode we, we complained about how they're stretching this out so long. I can't believe we're still watching this fucking episode and this episode has the wrong other problem where it's going by way too fast so you have to establish the character in this expositional dump kind of way because you don't have enough time to develop them there's gotta be there's gotta be another way there's gotta be in between (laughs) those two kind of like are you tired of your daughters throwing you out to sea (laughs) do you have a life insurance claim worth five hundred thousand dollars and your daughter's husband lawyer wants all of it so these four, these four daughters are already all sus- like suspects. Mm-hmm. They're involved somehow. Their father's lost at sea, presumably. Presumably, spoiler alert: it's the old man. It's the whoa, old whoa, man. Whoa, whoa, what? We'll get to it. Spoiler uh, we don't alert. even need to. I, I feel like we knew. We knew <laughs> when he shows From up from the start. When I saw his PTSD eyes, I knew this guy is probably whoever's missing. Well, she keeps talking about how his expensive watch that he has. She's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you're not homeless. You have a watch." Homeless people have watches. Come on, that's, that's oh, a and weird she's also dig. she's like you don't you're not even using the right terminology. It's bow, not hobo. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. You rich eccentric plot twist of a man. Yeah, well, then she's not there too when she, she like offers these girls to a, a place to stay as they're leaving. These suspects in this murder. She's like, why don't you come out to the house where there's already another random person. Dang. Ladies, forgive me. I'm forgetting my Yankee hospitality. I've got a big house and it's just me. I'd be delighted to have you all as my guests. We've already made reservations at the local one. She's trying to start a commune. She's trying to start a murder commune. Yeah, there's no fucking, like, critical thinking either. And again, I'm like, yeah, this is more opportunities for you to be murdered. Four suspects put into my house with a homeless man, and I hope to God none of them fucking murder. Maybe she wants to die. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher has, like, a death sentence. Like, she she has a great death wish, but she's so nice and charming that she can never admit to it. This show, like, is, her, this show is her last will and testament manifesto. <laughs> Getting back to what uh, Spencer said, I I think you're on to something of like the first 20 minutes of this episode are so jam packed with information and things that I'm being told by the script are important. 
and they're not. And then the next 20 minutes are so slow that at one point I seriously thought Angela Lansbury was falling asleep in a tape. <laughs> she looked so tired and exhausted. I did notice there's a lot of scenes where she's just sitting in a chair. Like most of the scenes she's in, when we introduce her, she's sitting like in an armchair or she's sitting on the couch or she's leaning on the counter. <laughs> Do you think they filmed it where they did all the jogging shots in the morning of the shoot? And then at the end, she's like, I'm fucking exhausted. I'm just, I just let me talk. Let me yep. sit in a chair. The show is the the strength of the show. And it gets to what you were saying earlier about being a grandma show. It's all about being discombobulated. It's about throwing as much in as possible. And then every other moment of the episode is to try to make you think you already know the answer. But then switcheroo everything, much like the rectangle flipping transition. Switcheroo everything on its head. So now you think it's this person. Now you think this person. So by the end... We already knew who the person was the whole time. The The reality is that they just throw so much at you so that you get so lost that by the point you come out of the forest, you're like, oh, yeah, that was the murder. I'm actually shocked because I forgot what was happening. <laughs> I got so lost in there. We're told that the dad is dead, but we as the audience kind of know, okay, he's not dead. But if we're stupid enough to believe the show, right. we think, okay, dad's dead. One of these four girls did it. Then Jessica Fletcher puts together that because of the hurricane and where they said their position was, they would have technically have been inside of the eye of the hurricane. So <laughs> because she, she, she sees she her drain in her sink and that makes her think of a hurricane. And that you were three miles due east of Monhegan Island? Yes. Well, at that time and at that place, your yacht would have been in the eye of the hurricane. The sea would have been dead calm. Oh my God. Well, and we, yeah, right. I didn't know what that shot was when it, it, it's like this long zoom in on her, on her just doing dishes. And I was like, yeah, that seems pretty apropos for this fucking show. And she's just sitting there just dunking her, like her plates in the water and then just like throwing them over. She's not even washing them. She's just kind of like, yeah, fuck it. Like, (laughs) fuck these plates. I'll buy more fucking plates. Yeah. And don't forget too, she comes back to the house after this and she has this talk with oh. um, the bow. With Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. She sees him admiring this pipe that belongs to her dead husband. Mm-hmm. Again, just some random ass guy. And she's like, you know what? Go ahead and take it. I guess besides a good meal, the thing I enjoy most is a good pipe. Your husband's? Yes. He had good taste. Fine looking Mersham. Please take it. Oh, no. I couldn't do that. Ralph, I want you to have it. Better you should smoke it than it should sit there gathering dust. I cannot believe the amount of, like, she could not how do I want to say this? Like, she just allowed him into her house. She walks into him chilling on her hammock. She's like, oh, also I saw that you used my long distance and called some, like, out-of-state person. You didn't by any chance call France for an estimate. Right. A phone company just called the charges for your Paris call. $9.97 must have been a very short conversation. Uh, that's uh, Paris, Kentucky. I've got a friend who's a horse breeder down there. And then how about you just take this pipe that is my dead husband's like cherished item. I just was mind boggled. I was just She's like, really, she's a charitable person. You know, she really likes to just give, give, give literally everything. Yeah. And I kind of just felt like I had seen this porn already. You know, it was just kind of a letdown. It, it seems out of character for someone to be this nice. And maybe that's a cynical thing, but it just doesn't like, there's just so many, and like, I don't agree with how a human would handle these situations, even in like a soap opera way. And for a person who's supposed to be this master murder storyteller or like 
mastermind. You would think she would have a little bit more like self-awareness, I guess, for her own self, but she just doesn't. I, or it's all a master plan, I guess. But still, I just, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's something from the eighties that did not age well, guys. Just random trusting. (laughs) You're telling me that this, (laughs) (laughs) I will say, and maybe this is once again, giving the show a little much, a little too much credit that it doesn't deserve. I really enjoyed the dramatic performances in this scene. Mm. If you remove the context of the actual scene, the actual scene is dumb and stupid. And why the fuck would she give away her late husband's, you know, prized possessions? Some that's random guy that's been using all of her shit, was butchering her garden, talking shit on her cherished house, like <laughs> fucking with her hammock. I couldn't understand how she's like, mm, this is charming. I, I was yeah. like, bitch, what? <laughs> Can I pitch a? A quick new segment I'd like to introduce for the show. I want to call it the Ooh, bumbling, yeah, yeah. the bumbling humor hour of just random quotes that have nothing to do with anything, but yet stick out in a way that in any other show would be so great. Okay. Yeah. And there's a moment. Okay, so here's a moment there where they're still by the boat. Let's rewind our time period to when they're the, the gals are getting off the boat. And there's uh the sea shanty captain guy whose name I've already forgotten, even though it was five minutes ago that you said it and the police chief and this, this, this either it's the police chief. One of them says the first line and the other says the second line who does what can't remember. But the first guy says, <laughs> I think they're talking about the murder. They think these gals murdered their dad. And one of them says, you've been reading too many of Jessica's books. And the second guy is supposed to be a really close friend of Jessica's. And he says, that shows you how much, you know, I haven't read any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck my friend's work. Oh, yeah, he's like his close homie, and he's like, "This these books ain't shit." Like, it's like totally. But and then the moment's over. I'm talking about foul play. A hundred million dollars is a whale of a motive. Amos, you've been reading too many of Jessica's books. Well, that's how much you know, Ethan. I haven't read any of them. And that was it. <laughs> and that's, that's it. it. Yeah, it's go. just done. And there's like that uh, that the '80s humor trope of having like a tuba sound in the music, like a boom, 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 as like a <laughs> as a cap to the joke. I'll play into this segment. I like this segment a lot. Okay, good. Yeah, I want to hear your bumbling the bumbling humor hour trademark. Welcome to the bumbling humor, hum, bumbly, bumbly, bumbly doo. <laughs> the the one quote I wrote down early on is when the hobo was there. We I still didn't know who he was. I just wrote uh, Bobo said. Or Bobo was like, <laughs> sorry, uh, he was like, he had just eaten the food and they're having some funny, nice conversation with each other. And Jessica Fletcher goes like, oh, you're all full of clam dip. I was just like, that's the yeah. grossest sentence I've ever fucking heard. Mrs. Fletcher, you astound me. Oh, Ralph, you're not astounded at all. As a matter of fact, you're full of clam dip. It's kind of kind of. Phallic, dude. This goes back to your yeah, like. Yeah, you're all full of clam dip. <laughs> back to your uh, idea of everybody wanting to bone Jessica Fletcher, which I'm still not 100 percent on board yet. But Th- this episode was a little harder for that theory. I don't think. I think she had more of an interest in Ralph than Ralph had in her. Yeah. Only because she gave him his her her husband's pipe. There's a lot of as you do symbolism. This show's a fucking shit show. What are we doing? What are we? <laughs> uh, but she puts together that the homeless man that she invited and gave food and 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 gave her pipe to is Stephen Earl. She goes back home and he's gone. He's missing. Mm-hmm. There's like a call into the police and his body is found. Or no, uh, they think he washed up to shore because at one point one of the uh, the captain, not the sheriff, 
<laughs> says like, hey, bodies wash up on the shore all the time. They'll be here within like an hour tops. Before we go holding an inquest, I want to see that body. Well, the way the tide is, the body should wash ashore tonight, tomorrow for sure. Or something. He just like blatantly like knows and casually spits off like, oh, with the tides? Oh, yeah, dude. Bodies in an hour. I can get them here in 45 minutes. <laughs> and again, <laughs> never mind. There was a hurricane the night before. Fucking hurricane. Like, doesn't matter. He shows up and they all go to the morgue. So we have to go identify this is dad, right? So they, and they pull back that sheet. I was so distracted by his eyelids moving. <laughs> I could not I too. stop was looking I, at that. Holy <laughs> shit, dad, you're alive. <laughs> we've, we've, we've skipped a crucial part in that one of the daughters admits to killing him. Oh, yes, that very is quickly. Right. Oh my God. They go God. back to the hotel and daughter whose name escapes me for an obvious reason that none of them are memorable. Maggie. Maggie admits to shooting him. Or Nan. Um, Wait. No, it's not Nan. I know it's not Nan. It's Maggie. It's, it's Maggie. Yeah. Sure, sure. Christ. That sounds about right. Insert interchangeable old name here. So admits to shooting him. We were lost. Yes, we were just no! lost. Maggie, please don't. We were not lost. And he was not swept overboard. Mrs. Fletcher's right. My father's death was no accident. I killed him. But it still feels canned, because it's like 18 minutes in, you're like, come on. This is plot twist number one, or like writing plot twist number one. So then, after that, he shows up on the beach, and they say that he has bullet holes in him. Well, even before that, oh my god! See, because it's we skipped over a ton. See, this is is the discombobulation I was talking. I'm realizing that now. (laughs) Now I I rushed the plot. I because, like you said, we're only like minute (laughs) eighteen. There's (laughs) so much packed into the first twenty fucking minutes. Yes. So Maggie had confessed to shooting him, but then Shelby, I don't know, the rich one, the Beverly Hills rich one. Lisa Earl, Shelby, to you. Lisa Earl, yeah. So she steps in and was like, do you know who I am? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) So like, she's like, so uh, Maggie's, you know, confessed, like, yeah, I shot him. And then Lisa steps in and is like, oh yeah. And then the body just washed away and that was it. So not only that, (laughs) so they don't arrest Maggie after she confesses. She's still just walking around. They also don't arrest the other girls for being, like, accessories. So I'm just kind of curious, like, what's going on even inside this little town. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be good at murders and everything? Or, like, just whatever. You're not doing you a know, good job. normal police work. Yeah. If you have four sus- suspects, one that's admitted to it, you arrest all four of them. Get the books. Get them in the prison. Then goes back to say, oh, just kidding. We all plotted this. And Angela Lansbury, or Jessica Fletcher, is just going along with this, being like, yeah, this sounds right. And then the body washes up on shore, exactly how Maggie said. Your father's body washed up on shore early this morning. What? Shot twice in the chest, just like you described. No, that's impossible. He can't be dead. A mighty strange thing to say, considering that only yesterday you confessed to killing him. I might have confessed to killing him, Sheriff, but I didn't kill him. What? That one. That one was a long one. You were right, Spencer. I just totally forgot about all of the other stuff in there. I wonder about the show. This is a prediction that's not true at all. And maybe this was just my assumption about the show. I thought it was going to be like a stranger than fiction type deal where all the stories she was writing in her book were coming true. 
I hate crime serials in general, but I was thinking a lot about this and the show Castle and how Castle, the pilot episode, is essentially that. It's uh, there's a murder and it fits to a T his book. So they think that, you know, Richard Castle did it, but they want to bring him along to the investigations to make sure he didn't and kind of catch this serial killer. And that's like the first two episodes. And then it just becomes him working with the police. This is kind of a shitty, shitty inverse of that, <laughs> where it's like awful murder happened to rich man. Better go get that little writer up on the hill. Go get her out of that White House. And get her. She's so funny. She doesn't have a car. She just has a little bike in her sweatsuit. I think there's a fundamental difference in structure with that that doesn't work for me. <laughs> and one thing that I'd pitch for us now is the back half of the show is almost so incomprehensible. It's not even worth talking about. Because it's <laughs> oh so well. This has been murder we watch. Thank you guys for listening. I, I <laughs> because it's it's one like it's it, all it really happens after this is they find the body. It's like oh, it must be her. It's the gunshots. They go to the beach and they find some shoes. Like some shoe is. Am I am I on the right track of the timeline? You are. It's all very. Fuzzy. There's a couple things you're missing, but generally speaking, yeah. Right. They find shoes, and then it's revealed to be... Nan shoes. But the heel is missing. The heel was missing off the shoe, and that was supposed to be a big deal, guys. Like, they made a really big point to be like, oh, I think this heel is missing. They kind of set up of like, okay, who would have killed him? And so it's just Jessica Fletcher running down the list of everyone involved, including these, like mysterious husbands or their family lawyer who's in love with this person, making sure there's not like ulterior motives of who would get like a life insurance policy. Right. And all of these estranged husbands are weirdly showing up insanely fast for how yeah, very quickly fast. like this like guy they're doing coke on their way in. Yeah. Like the dude is barely on the side and guy is like, Oh, I traveled the world. I did all this shit in the past four years after I abandoned you. And like, the, like their dad's di- like dead, and all of a sudden they're just coming back. And these girls are just taking them back too, like no problem. Just oh hey, like I remember, remember when you abandoned me? That's fine. You were a piece of shit. That's okay. It's fine. That it's it's past us. It's behind <laughs> us. I heard the news this morning. Kentucky flew right in. Nan, I'm so sorry. I know. About a year ago, he and Nan were engaged, and he just walked out of her life. There's a lot of, I feel like, uh, subservient women in this show. <laughs> well, in the first episode, they scoff at the idea that Jessica Fletcher is a feminist because she's on this like book tour, her wild whirlwind New York book tour. And the one woman who's interviewing her talking about how like empowering her book is for feminism and women. And she's like, well, I, I don't know about all that. It's the, the show's clearly all male white writers trying to undermine the main character in a way that still makes her seem like she's a, a really a person to look up to. The show is rife with total like masculine dominance, even though it's supposed to be about a main character who's a strong, independent female character. Right. But definitely go back to your piece of man the minute that something bad happens. I'd also like to point out too, that, you know, a lot of the daughters were talking about how their dad like interfered with their lives a lot was kind of creepy. And I just like, cause a lot of the things they were talking about, like with the behavior of the dad being like, yeah, he meddled in my relationships. He always kind of showed up. I was like, Ooh, that is uh that's not normal behavior. And then yeah. Jessica Fletcher is like, you know what? I knew him. He was a good guy. I knew this homeless man this, for two I days. I knew him. I'm like, you knew him. I think that's a good point though. Like this episode is full of a lot of like, 
bad relationship themes. It's not appropriate. Like it doesn't work. It's, it's an attempt to, it feels like a really shitty, shitty misunderstanding of how to approach emotional abuse, familial abuse. It's brought up and you quickly, even more quickly dismissed. Like it's stuff that's brought up and, and like even more quickly, like all of the masculine characters in the show are portrayed as terrible, but we're not made to feel as if, that's bad. Like the, the Shelby husband or the guy Nan's estranged fiance who shows back up who we're made to believe may, might be the murderer. Either they come back right. but, and are kind of terrible people, but we're, they get, they all get a pass. None of them are the bad guy. The bad guy is the, the, the woman who was abused by her dad, essentially. There's a, a yeah. huge whiff on that. I want to talk about this last near the last scene where we, it is revealed to be, the first person we thought it was, it actually was her, which is kind of actually kind of surprising. Like they give up the murder so, and it so, actually well, was the murder. Once again, it's this show has done so many cliches that I become lost in the cliches. It's, it's gone full circle of like, we said she did it. Then sh- did she do it? Maybe she didn't. The guy's still alive. Oh, now he's dead. Maybe this guy did it. Maybe this, oh, it was her. She did it. Oh, okay. What the fuck? <laughs> it's the what worst, the fuck it's was like that experience? It's like the worst game of Clue that was ended in three turns. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like when you're playing Clue and your shitty younger brother's like, I bet it was Colonel Mustard with the wrench in the library. Yeah, it was. Well, there's again, we're choosing a trope of the show of classic the murderer having a deep emotional conversation with Fletcher at the end, revealing everything that they've gone through to get to them to being the murderer. And then maybe they're going to kill her, but really it's not going to happen. But they, it's this the murder revealing to Jessica everything they've gone through. I can't tell if Jessica Fletcher is Oprah or Maury Povich. <laughs> I can't tell which one. A little bit of both. Cause like she really likes to stir the pot. Yeah. She loves but to like, she's there to help. You're very clever. Mrs. Fletcher. Merely logical. You're the clever one, Maggie, taking advantage of your father's plan, actually confessing to shooting him, knowing full well that the police investigation would exonerate you. I hated him what he did to me. My whole life was spent catering to that man, Mrs. Fletcher. Running his home, the only one that got any real love was Nan. Wanted to talk about um, the the sheriff that she goes and visits, Jessica Fletcher goes to visit, who is just my gal Friday. I don't know if you guys noticed that or remember. She like goes to visit this woman sheriff. Oh, and she, yes. The woman's cleaning a rifle. Oh, or something. I wrote this down. The the woman police officer. The- sheriff's office. Elroy, where you been? Sheriff's been looking for you for the past hour. He's down to Carter's Beach conducting a search party. Now, well, a couple of hours ago, he got this anonymous note shoved in the mailbox. Whoever wrote it said there was some funny goings on down there last night about ten o'clock. Yes. What can I do for you, ladies? Yes. Like immediately, and like a flapper from the twenties. I loved it, and I don't get why they chose to do that. I don't either. She said they're cleaning her rifle, you know, and she's like, "Hey, can you <laughs> can you help me out with this? I don't know. I can't even remember what she was even asking about." Can you tell me where the sheriff <laughs> was is? She was trying so... to find where the sheriff was. She was trying to That's find where the sheriff oh, yeah. was. That's right, because I was so distracted by this. Well, woman. you want to take a like... ten time turn at the left corner? Make sure you head on down there. See, now don't you forget about it. And she's just. <laughs> Well, well, it's not even that. Well, at first she's like, again, this is one of the bumbling humor 
hour is she goes, well, that's confidential information. But then the police woman gets a call and she reveals all the information that she said was very confidential, but (laughs) reveals it out loud over the phone. So Jessica Fletcher just listens in and then just goes to wherever she said to go. (laughs) (laughs) Now, hold on, Dan. I got to take this radio telephone call. See? (laughs) Why, yes. We did find the murder victim down at the pool hall. Pool hall, see? Like, blatantly... Just a bumbling fucking idiot. Yes. Jake, do you feel like you would have been more marketable as an actor in the 1930s? I would have shined. <laughs> I would have shined, see? <laughs> you see? <laughs> yeah. Who is it? Cagney? Mm-hmm. Is that the actor? I think so. Christ. I, I should ask Angela Lansbury. She was probably 95 <laughs> when Cagney was born. <laughs> Angela Lansbury has always looked 75 to me. Even in bed knobs and broomsticks, she, in the 1970s, she looked old. And technically, she was only in her 40s then. How old is she in the show? She's in her 50s. Okay, that seems appropriate. One of the scenes where she's confronting one of the husbands or one of the daughters to, like, narrow it down, like I said, it looked like she was falling asleep. She was sitting in the chair. She was just saying these lines as if she was like, you know those times where you sit in the shower and you're just, like, just sitting there for, like, 45 minutes (laughs) and life sucks? You know, like, come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, sorry, that's just... She just looks so depressed and tired. And like she's sitting in a shower for 45 minutes, you know? Staring at the wall. (laughs) I'm losing this metaphor. I did break the rules of the show and saw a clip of her talking about the show. Like actual Angela Ayers were talking about the show. And she's complaining about how they were shooting the episode six days. And that was just too much. It was just too stressful. Yeah, you can see it in episode two where she's falling asleep. (laughs) And they added an extra day to the shoot time to make it more manageable for her. Or something like that. Like she almost left the show because it was... Just unbearable. I almost left the series of the way at the beginning. I said, I can't work this way. I'm, I'm exhausted, you know. And that was when we went from a seven-day shoot to an eight-day shoot. Well, they're making her jog all over the goddamn state of Maine. Of course it would be exhausting. She's jogging over the whole, like, <laughs> entire circumference of the state of Maine. <laughs> she thought she was signing a deal to do, like, a new Jane Fonda workout tape. They were like, hey, we're really trying to break into this market with you. <laughs> and instead, she was like, oh, Oh, I'm actually doing this show where I just have to run around Maine. It's a hell of a workout. I've ran 15 marathons last week for the second episode. Yeah. So the sheriff gets a no. I don't even remember truly what part this was because like you, Jake, it at the second half, and maybe you also Spencer, like at the second half, it just really got blurry. It it feels like a, a, like a, a nap. So the sheriff <laughs> receives this, this note or this letter. None of them are in gloves. And so she asks, she's like, oh, did you do this for fingerprints? And she grabs the note barehanded. <laughs> so I'm like, you're going to ask if he does it for fingerprints and then just go ahead and put your little fingerprints right all over it. <laughs> <Like I, laughs> it reminded me of like the Chris Farley sketch where, where they're eating fries and Chris Farley's like, mm, can I have some? And he's immediately shoving them in his mouth. It's like, <laughs> if you know how an investigation goes, and even though this is a very poorly done investigation where they're just openly grabbing shit on a beach and hoping it's evidence, she does the same thing and she calls it out. I hope he dusted this for prints because I'm just fucking licking this now. I'm going <laughs> to cover it in my DNA. <laughs> There's not much else to say for the back half. Is It was just a wild ride. Maggie confesses that she did it. She said that her father was like emotionally abusive to her and she just and she couldn't handle it. She was tired of being jealous and killed him. And then Jessica Fletcher convinces her to turn herself in. And well, no, because again, the trope of that ending scene, much like the pilot, is she's she catches the murderer. The, the murderer tells this huge monolithic monologue, 
but then she's going to do something. She's still going to kill Jessica, who is very calm because this entire time she's had the police chief on the phone during this admittance of, of wrongdoing. And so for some reason, she still doesn't kill Jessica Fletcher because she's already going to jail. <laughs> but she's so calm, cool under pressure. I wonder when she's finally going to get challenged. I think maybe a hundred episodes in, Jessica Fletcher finally beats her match. Based on the pace, based on the pace Six of more her fucking seasons, and then she finally breaks. Maybe because we're <laughs> so used to TV shows now being so interconnected in a continuational story. Back in this era, that was not the case. It was these vignette type episodes of just the life and times and adventures of these people. Well, the only thing that makes me think there's some continuational trauma or arc is the. The, her her dead husband her her widow husband mm. I there's there there is some more information we learn about him and you could tell that there's some baggage she has about him I don't think they're gonna come back to this in any kind of impactful way but it's the only thing that gives me hope that maybe there's some tissue between all these episodes that makes some kind of sense it'll show up in season six season six is when mm. they'll <laughs> yes. start touching that's on the it. peak yeah that's the best that's the trinity killer season from dexter it's like now where netflix where you go like oh this first season give it a couple episodes you'll get used to it now with this show we're like uh, give it a couple years then you'll get into it warm up well at that point you're probably like so numb to that show too you're like mm, all right oh makes god sense, I guess. don't make me fear this inv- adventure i don't want to <laughs> be numb i can't I, I don't want to be numb to this. I want to be able to keep critiquing this, but I know it's going to get to a point where this is so beyond repetitive. It's We're going, going to be to the biggest like fans clockwork. by the end of this. We're going to start something like a, like a murder she wrote fest. We're going to okay. So if you guys were going to cosplay as characters, if you're going to conventions, who would you dress up as? From this episode, Ooh. if we're just isolating it to this episode, because Ooh, I don't think episode. any people we meet in this episode are coming back. I would dress up as Lisa Earl Shelby. You'd be Shelby? You'd be Shelby. I would be Lisa, Lisa Earl Shelby. I would get off that boat nice. and strap my fucking stuff, and I would tell every lowly person <laughs> in front of me to get away. Yeah, I'm going to be the sheriff. That's who I've decided. Alexa, who would you dress, or who would you be at a convention? A, a Murder, She Wrote convention. Steve Earl. This guy managed to just... Live his best life there for a while. Just, you know, was able to walk up, got breakfast, got a nice pipe, relaxed in a nice backyard. And then he went out with a bang, you know? Literally. <laughs> Literal got his bang. Back blown up. <laughs> Two of them. <laughs> if we want to get Good choice. Good choice. And he had the most topsy turvy storyline, you know, like this mysterious character in the garden who happened to be the dad. Well, uh, uh, Anything I'm forgetting from the plot? Anything else we want to talk about? I'll Nothing truly start. important, no. So yeah, murder is revealed to be Maggie, and she killed her cosmetic uh, salesman father. Abusive dad. That son of a bitch. And that that's, son of a uh, bitch. the episode titled Deadly Lady. Yay. Thank you guys so much <laughs> for joining. Where can we find you? I am on Instagram. My tag is Alexa Sunamun. It is a play on Anuk Sunamun from The Mummy. Tom Cruise's mummy or Brendan Fraser's mummy? Brendan Fraser all day. That's not even a competition. <laughs> hey, Tom Cruise was terrific. In, I'm, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even finish. I, can't even. I do have a website where I do write poetry, though. Uh, it's Alexa Weimer. Spelled A-L-E-X-A-Y-M-E-R at dot blogspot.com. Hell yeah. <gasps> Does this have a TV movie, guys? Four, four. Of them. Four of them. Shut up. This show is exhausting. <laughs> oh it's a God. fucking cardio is exercise. Is there a Christmas special? We're three episodes in, technically, and we're already, like, 
I feel like I'm older than Angela Lansbury now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Murder We Watched podcast, featuring Jake Sanders, Spencer Mirabal, and special guest Alexa Weimer. This episode was produced and engineered by Jake Sanders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Murder We Watched Podcast. You can also watch along with us at home. The entire series is available for free on Amazon Prime and IMDb TV.